Welcome, Pewter Report readers and listeners, to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. I am John Ledyard, along with my boss, the one and only, recently returned from suspension from the podcast, Scott Reynolds. Whoa, whoa. We need like sound Thanks for effects. That tremendous uh, intro, John. <laughs> Appreciate that. Um, so rumors about well, good my to have you back, boss. Rumors about my demise were greatly exaggerated. People um, thought I, after that Saints loss that you just, <laughs> I can't yeah. do it anymore. Yeah, they, they didn't see the follow-up to the tweet that I, I put out during the game, which was this, in my 25 years of covering the team, this might be the worst loss I've ever, ever their worst game I've ever covered. Right. Um, the the re- reply to that was like, you know, I'm out, <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> um, no, but but uh, just, just to put a quick nail in that coffin, um, you know, certainly uh, nothing went right for the Buccaneers. And it, it was interesting because we had a chance, John, to talk to Bruce Arians today on the podcast, and, or I should say on the conference calls. And, and one of the things that, that I wanted to know about was, and we talked about this a little bit or wrote about this a little bit in our Pew Report Roundtable, what part of this team concerns you the most right now, the offense or the defense? You and I were both in agreement it's the defense because of some recent trends. And, and the interesting thing is when you look at, the last three games, right? You're looking at a Raiders team that's that's good, not great, but mm-hmm. good. A Giants team that's awful, and a Saints team that that is still very good. Uh, and we right. saw how how good they were on Sunday night. And so you look at that, and there's a couple of trends. And, and one that that I asked Arians about was was the running game, and and having given up 76 yards to the Raiders, not a big deal because this team allows 77 for the average, but then 101 yards Mm -hmm. against the Giants, which caught everybody by surprise, and then 138 yards to the Saints. And what we saw was the Giants really kind of lay a a bit of a a dangerous blueprint out because they went with a lot of 12 and 13 personnel, a lot of two and three tight end groupings, used a power running game against the Buccaneers who don't have Vita Vea right now. And Mm -hmm. we saw the Saints do the exact same thing and and one key thing Arian said, John, that I want you to react to is, is that when teams do that, it keeps the Bucks in base personnel. And their strength is really in nickel, which they play a whole bunch because this is a passing league. But that's yeah. really where Arians, or I should say Todd Bowles, can get into his exotic blitzes. And, and that's where they can really bring the pass rush. When you're in base defense, it kind of limits what you – which you can do from that exotic pass rush type situation because yeah. you're you're not in third and long situations. Right. And you would hope that the the offset of that would be, oh, it's easier to match up in coverage. You know, you got two tight ends on the field for most teams in the NFL. That's not putting them in a passing strength, having two tight ends in the NFL. Now the Saints may be an exception because Taysom Hill, everybody wants to decide if he's a running back or a quarterback. I think he's actually best as a tight end. Um, you know, he's a good yeah. player. Jared Cook's a good player and Adam Troutman who they took in the third round this past year is a good player. So they're one of those teams that presents a challenge there. The Panthers are obviously very much not one of those teams. Uh, I'm yes. not even sure. I mean, is Ian Thomas still their number one tight end? I mean, that's it's just right. totally obscure. You know, they don't even – Joe Brady probably uses tight end less than anybody in the league. And so there's just not right. – uh, it's not the same threat, but you're right. Like, the- theoretically, you'd love to say, okay, well, that's true. Like, you know, we might not be able to blitz like we used to, but we should be able to match up person. We have, you know, super athletic linebackers that can – they can cover, you know, at least Levante David can, and and you yeah. know, Jordan Whitehead's rolled down on state on tight ends before. You know, this is a, we can do this. You know, but yeah. when you're playing zone defense, uh, as often as they are, you're not matching up in man, and so it's harder to eliminate right. those guys, and it makes life a little bit easier for everybody to get open when you're just looking for space. And so I think what if I hear you correctly, your takeaway is that that while Sean Payton, who's who's a brilliant offensive minded coach, mm-hmm. he played more two and three tight ends. In, in this game that he did in week one. And I think that was a reaction to, ah, I kind of see what the Giants did to really kind of thwart this Todd Bowles defense a little bit, especially from, you know, from, from the, the running game standpoint. And, you know, and so he, he went to that. But what you're saying is Joe Brady doesn't really have the personnel to do that or really even the inclination. So 
it's one of those things the Bucks might benefit uh, from from this blueprint being laid out these last two weeks of how you run against this team by the Panthers probably ignoring it and just kind of sticking with what they've done over the past couple of weeks, which is keeping you know keeping games tight and putting up some points. They put up mm-hmm. what thirty one against the Chiefs, so yeah. so so maybe the Bucks luck out here because they don't have the personnel or the inclination to stick with what the Giants and Saints have done. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see how Carolina, if they adjust anything, because remember, they uh, my guess is they come away from the last time they played them thinking if we don't turn the ball over, we they might win, win that yeah, game. Right. Because yeah. remember, they turned over a lot. Yeah, now and and I don't think the Bucks defense had their best day necessarily, but they were right. opportunistic for sure. And yes. the pressure pressure affects Teddy Bridgewater. That's the big thing. You know, the Panthers offensively you know, at the end of the day, they're going to use some play action, but not as much as, you know, the, the top teams in the league. They're going to do right. some different things with their personnel deployments and with Curtis Samuel in the backfield. But at the end of the day, it's going to come down to whether Bridgewater can make plays against pressure. He's thrown five picks against pressure this season. Um, he's the ninth most pressured quarterback in the NFL. He's a yeah. quarterback passer rating of 47.3 under pressure this year. He's still actually pretty accurate. It's just very right. short stuff. He's getting the ball to saying, you know, it's, so he's he's very much becomes a big checkdown guy if you can pressure him and rattle him uh, most of the time. He's actually throwing the ball down the field this year, but pressure is kind of yeah. like the great equalizer against them. It's what's kind of brought him down. And so I think that if the Bucks can do that, but again, this is a team that you want to blitz the heck out of. You yeah. know, I think you had to pick your choose your spots against the Saints to a degree, right. but you want to come after Teddy Bridgewater. Like, yeah. there's no doubt about it, in my opinion. The interesting thing is when you look back at that week two game, the Panthers actually had two receivers go over 100 yards, Robbie Anderson and also mm-hmm. DJ Moore. So uh, Bridgewater was able to to maybe attack this secondary a little bit better than other quarterbacks have from a statistical standpoint. Uh, didn't have the touchdowns, obviously, that Drew Brees did before. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, Carlton Davis, I think gonna, he's going to match up against Robbie Anderson. I think that's the matchup to watch. And believe it or not, Robbie Anderson has more yards on Carlton Davis, uh, three catches for 76 yards, than any other receiver this year. And Mm -hmm. and the the 39-yarder he caught against Davis was the longest play that Davis has given up. Davis still did a really good job on him, kept him out of the end zone. Mm -hmm. But I'm just saying, out of all the receivers Carlton Davis has been matched up against, Robbie Anderson was the guy that that really gave him the most problems, statistically speaking, in terms of of yards after catch, uh, the big catch. I'm trying to even trying to remember that throw do you remember the 36 yarder i don't john i'm 40 it's not coming to my mind yeah. it's not coming to my mind. i remember the dj Moore. i mean he was matched up with the funny thing about last matchup and you mentioned carlton davis maybe being with robbie anderson I, you know i don't know maybe i mean like you said they have a couple good receivers and last yeah, game he did. didn't match up with with anybody you know it was just kind of a mix whoever you know dj Moore. he had the interception he was he was covering dj Moore. i know he gave up a yeah. big route to dj Moore earlier in the game and that, that's what he kind of learned from when he made the play right. for the pick so I don't know. We'll see. I mean, Robbie Anderson, like you said, he's clearly kind of emerged as the top guy as the season's gone on, but yeah. Moore can still put up yards too. Oh, and he so, sure can. And you, and you yeah, mentioned Curtis Samuel. He's a guy that mm-hmm. can catch the ball out of the backfield. He can line up in the slot. He can line up out wide. He's kind of that joker, that guy that, that can play a bunch of different roles in Joe Brady's offense. Yeah, and and this this why how the Panthers are so difficult to defend, I think, is because of the different ways that they can beat you. They haven't run the ball great this season, but they've been effective as an offense without Christian McCaffrey, and they're going to have to do it again as Christian McCaffrey is going to be out for for this matchup as well. And so, yeah. can't everybody? You know, that Bucks fans maybe excel there, but I, I don't I don't know that it is much to excel. I mean, to be honest, the Bucks first of all have shut down Christian McCaffrey in the three yeah. times they played him under Todd Bowles. He scored a couple touchdowns, yep. but. He hasn't made big plays. He, they had never really gotten the running game on track uh, against Tampa Bay. I think the passing game is really what you're concerned about here. And Mike Davis well, is eight, great in the passing game. He had eight yeah. catches for 74 yards. He toasted yeah. Devin White a few times last mm-hmm. time they met. So and he's he's a power runner too. He's mm-hmm. you know he's he's a more physical runner than Christian McCaffrey's. I think that Mike Davis presents more matchup problems for the Buccaneers defense than Christian McCaffrey does because. I think you go back to even last year under Todd Bowles' defense, they've done a pretty good job of of corralling and containing Christian McCaffrey. So, right. you know, it's 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 going to be interesting to see, but I, I don't think there's going to be much drop-off at all in this Panthers run game with Mike Davis, as you, as you said, has done a really good job in um, uh, in, in the absence of, of McCaffrey. And, you know, and 
And I guess if you're looking for a positive for the Buccaneers, you have to focus on one guy. Both of those guys, uh, McCaffrey and Davis, won't be in the lineup. So you can kind of zero in a little bit on Davis. Um, John, let's just talk real quick about the injury report that just came out for the Bucs and the Panthers. Shaq Barrett and Levante David were added to the injury report. Shaq's got a shoulder, limited participation today. Uh, Levante David with a knee, uh, obviously hyperextended that a little bit in the game, still managed to play the entire game, limited participation. Chris Godwin, we spoke to him on the conference call. We'll get into that in a little bit uh, with his finger, limited participation. Uh, Rob Gronkowski uh, was a veteran day off today. Ali Marpet, mm-hmm. good news on Ali Marpet. He did have limited participation. It sounded like Bruce Arians was hopeful that he returns, right, John? Right. It's he's kind of in the last stages of that concussion protocol. I think it's the the question really is um whether he gets headaches, recurring headaches from being yeah. limited in practice. You know, if if he regresses, then obviously it's a concern. So that's what they're kind of monitoring yeah. over the next 48 hours. And John, let's stick on that for a second. Let's assume worst case scenario, Ali Marpet's not back. Uh Joe Haig really struggled mightily, especially in pass <laughs> protection, right? <laughs> I mean, we really yeah, can't he, even give him a, a run grade because there's only four no. carries. Oh my but, gosh! So I so wish Bucks fans could see the offensive line like during the game live the other night, and yeah. they would know why a lot of the offensive struggles happened because Joe yeah. was rough. You know, he had seven. Right. He gave up seven pressures for a quarterback who's yeah. getting the ball to their hands, one of the fastest in the league. Um, you know, right. and it would have been that number would have been a lot worse if Tom Brady hadn't gotten the ball. I mean. That's a game. I'm yep. just being honest with you, Scott. That's a game. James Winston would have been sacked seven times, eight times. Oh, yeah, that's just sure. that's just reality. And so, yeah. um, you know, well, and, 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 to, and to be fair to James, he also would have probably rushed for about forty yards too. You know, it's it's it's, it's live and sure. die with him. He, he he has the mobility to escape. So there would have been some big plays there, but but yeah. certainly uh, those sacks as well. Uh, so, John, right. my question to you is: What do you do if if if, if Ali Marpet is not the option to go because Let's say he he has a turn for the worst with the concussion protocol. You don't want Joe Hagan there. What do you do with this offensive line? Well, I think you that Ryan you've, Jensen you've, the guard and put Shipley yeah, in that center. That would be the move that I would make. But there's a couple of things to consider. You know, the Saints are much better and more diverse and deeper pass rushing group. The Panthers have not been a good pass rushing group basically this entire season. Brian Burns is a threat and. He honestly got Tristan Wirfs once early in the game, and he got Donovan Smith a couple times later. He's a real threat, Um, great player uh, who's becoming an elite player, I think. But after that, there really isn't anything pass rush wise, you know, with this team. Um, So it's yeah, they're nine sacks total, right? And their pressure rate is also their thirtieth, tied for thirtieth in pressure rate this season, and their thirtieth in blitz rate. So. They don't rush. They rush with four. They're not good at it. They don't pressure the quarterback. They don't sack the quarterback, and they don't care to get better at it by blitzing. So that's just kind of who they are at right. this point. <laughs> so it's a much more friendly matchup for the offensive line. Yeah. So you could start John, Joe Hag and maybe get away with it, but it's risky. Yeah. It, it, and John, without James Bradbury, who we saw a couple of weeks ago in New York, uh, they really don't have uh, the, the corners to to really make yeah. the quarterback hang on to the ball to allow that front four to get there. You got Dante Jackson's probably their best guy. Uh, he's a step down from Bradbury, so the, you know that that's that, that, that's an issue there. Uh, mm-hmm. Rounding out the injury report for the Buccaneers: Steve McLendon shoulder injury, limited participation. Scotty Miller hip groin, limited participation. Jason Pierre-Paul knee, limited participation. Th- those aren't really surprises for the Panthers. Uh, you got Reggie uh, Bonifon the ankle, limited participation. Justin Burris rib injury, limited participation. Jeremy Chin with the knee is also limited. Uh, he Yatura missed the Gross, last game. He did, yeah. And Yatura uh, Gross Matos, uh, the the draft pick, defensive he end. Didn't, he didn't play the last time. He did not. He's been, he's been decent for them. That could be a pass rush bump for them if he can play. Exactly. Uh, Marquise Haynes, who's been a situational edge guy for them. Shoulder, limited participation. Dante Jackson with the toe was a full participation. Christian McCaffrey, you already talked about him. He's out for this game. Uh, Russell Okung, the the tackle with a calf injury, did not participate. I think he injured that last week. Um, and then Ian Thomas, not injury-related, didn't participate. Uh, he's their tight end. Stephen Weatherly, the finger, did not participate. So, you know, it's it's about what you'd expect right now for two teams in the in the middle of the season. You know, a lot of names of the injury report. I think right now the Buccaneers probably the healthier team. And, and again, we'll see if Ali Marpet can – can continue to make progress and play in this game that they're going to need him, I believe. 
Yeah, for sure. It's an interesting question for the Panthers is what's going to happen with tackle for us. Logan can't go. They've had. And I think John froze up right there. So how they're going to treat that moving forward. Um, you know, and I think Trent Scott, I believe stepped in the last game and played. Greg Little has been re- really struggled to use their second round pick a, a few years ago. And so, um, I think that if you're Carolina and you're looking at this game and you're thinking, I think we lost John there. We're having some, um, some technical difficulties, obviously with the storm and whatnot. Uh, uh, Angelus, uh, asked anyone else still sad about what happened on Sunday. And yeah, what happened on Sunday was was rough. There's John. We got him back. Oh, I got you. I lost you too. <laughs> okay, all right. I well, lost you for a second. <laughs> it, it might be one of those things where where the the tropical storm down here in Tampa is raining pretty heavily out there. So it's either me or you or something. So I wonder whose audio stream the the fans got. I don't know if they got yours I or <laughs> I don't know if they got what you were saying or what I was saying. Um, but what I was saying was that I was saying if you're this Panthers offense, I think you have to find a way to manufacture big plays in this game because yeah. defensively, like the, if you look at the Panthers defensively, let's just take a look at them and we'll come back to the Panthers offensive side of the ball in a second. But the Panthers 26th yeah. in DVOA uh, on defense this season. But the, the the stats that people like even just the basic stats are where like, I mean, they're six, they're giving up the six most 20 plus yard passing plays a season. And we saw this last time I played the Panthers, right? The Bucs missed some plays yeah. downfield. They should have made, was this the Cyril Grayson game? I believe with yes, the off the face mask, this is that game. Um, and yeah. so, yeah, I think that there's a lot of opportunities for big plays for the Bucs offense, which they obviously haven't hit the last two weeks. Uh, and they rely heavily on um, 31st and third down defense. Panthers are, that's would be nice for the Bucs to get back on track and third downs. They've really struggled on third downs. Um, they're 31st in sacks, as we mentioned, and they're also the fifth most penalized defense this season. And the last one, they are tied for 31st in missed tackles per pro football reference, wow. 77 missed tackles this season. And so it's been, it's been a little bit tough sledding, uh, yeah. for this Panthers defense this season, very young group, very young group, almost, I mean, almost no experience on the whole group and really the most experienced guys haven't played very well. But the biggest concern, Scott, cornerback. I mean, how, this team, how are they going to match up? Corn Elders played well in the slot, I think. But, right. again, it's not a typical, like, these aren't typical matchups in the slot in terms of the the way that you match up and stuff. So I, I don't think yeah. that, you know, Corn Elders in the slot, Dante Jackson outside on one side, um, and uh, the other corner's escaping me right now. Troy Pride has played some for them, their fourth-round pick. Um, but he has not. He's been yeah very bad. He's the yeah. he's the stumbling bumbling one on the the touchdown a few weeks okay. ago that and the, was it Matt Ryan I think on Thursday Night Football ran it in and Troy Pride was pulling a Daniel Jones falling all over yes. himself trying, yes. trying to defend it. Um, and so yeah they so they've struggled uh, to cover people this season and I I that's where I think the Bucks just have to attack this team because right. that's just the cornerback is a clear weakness for the Panthers right yeah. now. John, you talked about struggling to cover, and you know I've had my struggles in covering um, mm-hmm. on my bookie. I, I've been very transparent about some of my 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 bad weekends. I've had some good weekends though, too. I had a pretty good weekend last weekend. Uh, I did bet K State on the money line against Oklahoma State, and they almost pulled it out. Uh, they missed on a two point conversion at the end. If they would have won that game, that would have been a huge money line win. But I did, John. I did have Liberty. Uh, which was, wow. gosh, yeah, it, I had Liberty, which even though they were the ranked team, that was at Virginia Tech, and I, I had Liberty, so I, I, I made some coin, John. I made some really good coin on my bookie on that. So okay. I haven't looked ahead yet to, to this week's matchups, but I, right after this podcast, I'm going to jump on my bookie, and I encourage you to do the same thing. Whether it's, it's late college football season or the NBA bubble or UFC Fight Island, it's been a wild year, right, in, in 2020. I mean, it's been like any other year. But that's why you need a sports book like any other. Uh, and that's that's my bookie. Let's If you got some skin in the game at my bookie where the odd boosts, the lightning deals, the free bets await all season long, and with Turkey Day right around the corner, there's really no better time to feast on some NFL action. So whether you're a first-time customer or you've been playing my bookie for years like I have, I think this is year three for me. There's no shortage of value to be found in the thousands of game lines, unique prop bets, and contests that they have every week. Sign up 
or get reloaded today in your account. Find an edge, make your bet, and get paid. They also boast a fully-fledged casino platform, giving you access to all of the classic table games, slots, card games you'd expect to find at your local spot. The best part is, at MyBookie, the doors never close, so you can continue to build your bankroll even after the stadium lights have gone out. Make the right play and sign up today at MyBookie, and when you do, use the promo code PEWTER to get your deposit matched halfway, all the way up to 1000 bucks. The terms are simple. If you put in $200, they're going to give you an extra $100 in your account. If you're already planning to bet this season, that's just free betting money right there at MyBookie using the promo code PEWTER. It's winning season at MyBookie, so come join in on the fun and win some cash while you're at it at MyBookie. And you know, John, uh, listen, I, I, I've got a very low risk tolerance. When I bet, I usually bet $5. But the thing is, is is I, I bet $5 on Liberty and I won $27.50, right? So that to me is the fun part. Yeah. So listen, I, I've, I'm a father of four. I'm on a tight budget. It's it's one of those things where I don't have a lot of, of, of gambling uh, money to spend. But I'll throw $5 here, $5 there. That way, if I lose five bucks, no big deal. But that's the beauty of it is you control your bankroll. And if you use the promo code Pewter, they're going to halfway match your initial deposit. So it's it's a great opportunity for you to, to join in at, at any time. One of the things with this with this Panthers defense, Scott, is we, we talked about the corner struggles and Rasul Douglas was the corner that I was forgetting. He's actually played well this season, but it's a zone heavy approach, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, the Bucks, the Bucks this season can have success. They can have success against zone or man coverage, but it just it really depends on how you're deploying your routes, I think. And that's one yeah. of the things I'm most interested to see in this game. Are they able to put route combinations together that threaten or flood zones rather than just having route combinate and just asking guys to win one-on-one because it could work against man coverage where that happens. But a lot of the times when you're facing these zone looks, you need to have, you need to adjust your play calling to be able to flood certain zones and stress certain defenders rather right. than just ask. Cause if you're asking guys to win one-on-one, a lot of time it's not one-on-one in zone coverage. And yeah. so you're running Mike Evans, you know, into, into a, a safety, you know, vertically down the field. Right. And so I think that you have to have some eye candy for that safety that takes them somewhere else if you want to be successful. And so, Right. I think that's one of the keys for this game is if the Bucs want to hit big plays, the opportunities are going to be there. The Panthers aren't a good, great yeah. secondary, and they haven't defended the long ball well this season. But I think you have to be creative with the way you deploy your offense. That's what the yeah. Chiefs did, and it was really successful right. for them. And I think the Bucs yeah. can do the same and thing. John, you mentioned eye candy, and you know, and I look at Tom Brady, and one, one of the things that makes him so special is he just has so many years in this league that he can really manipulate safeties with his eyes. And mm-hmm. I think he's done that a couple of times. He did that against Green Bay. He, he's even done that against uh, against Carolina um, and allowing Mike Evans to hit that 50-yard shot down the middle. Mm-hmm. But that only happens when you have good pass protection. If Brady's going to have the time to sit there and look off the safety, he's he's got to trust that offensive line. So the offensive line has got to step up this week in pass protection. But when, when they, they do pass protect for Brady, I think that's a little bit of a secret weapon and it's something that I think Bruce Arians wanted Jameis Winston to, to learn how to develop, but he never really did. Holding on to the ball is one thing. Holding on to the ball while you're looking off a safety and then releasing it and, and creating big play is something else. Right. And again, this offense, you know, it, as long as the route combinations are going to stay the same and they're going to be vertically based, it's hard to fault Brady when he checks down when nothing's open down the yeah. field. Again, I know people want to see big plays all the time, but the reality is that like, you're going to have that in this offense unless they change the way some of these routes are deployed. Now they have flashed it, you know, but they just get impatient. Want, you know, they don't want 10 yard plays, you know, 10 yard drives or 10 play drives. They want to get it all in a chunk. And sometimes that happens and it's great, but I really right. think John, the Panthers, what, this offense can get on track either way. One of those times it happened and you mentioned this too, because Bruce Arians does like to push the ball down the middle of the field. Right. And yeah. sometimes you're down 21 points. He wants a 21 point play, right? Yeah. Uh, right. You know, when, you, when you're in first and 20, he wants a 20 yard play to get not just back on schedule, but to get the damn first down. And mm-hmm. and sometimes that happens, right? And we look at, at the Tyler Johnson catch against the Giants. First and 20, Brady mm-hmm. throws a dime across the middle of the field for 20 yards, first down. Uh, right. That's rare. That doesn't happen all the time. And I think Bruce Arians thinks it can happen more often. It wants it to happen more often. But Tom Brady's got 21 years of experience saying, well, the best way to, to, you know, to convert that first down in that first and 20 situation is six yards on this play, eight yards on that play. 
then all of a sudden you're in a more manageable third and sixth situation, right? Whereas mm-hmm. as you, you you see these routes and how they're designed to go vertical so much that that without good pass protection, Brady just doesn't have a chance. So it's going to be interesting to see. I think this this Saints game for the offense can be the, the same type of, of uh, kind of come to Jesus moment that the, the Bears game was from a penalty standpoint. We have not seen the Buccaneers have those ridiculous amount of penalties, 9, 10, 11 in a game for 100 yards since the Bears game. They seem to have learned their lesson in that regards. We'll see yeah. how Brady and Arians kind of mesh together and find more common ground because there's a lot that didn't go right for the Bucks offensively Sunday night against the, the Saints. Yeah, there was. And there's, you know, is so many people deserve some level of blame. And we've talked about it a lot at this point. Yeah. But the the big thing is moving forward, like they can't, you know, penalties weren't an issue the other night. Is one of the things that for right. the most part, penalties were pretty good. I mean, I think they had five, yeah. but they were they minute ones. And so I I think that's one thing they've continued to stay clean on. But drops, yeah. you know, drops reared their ugly head again. And I don't blame Chris Godwin, but he drops a first down conversion on third down. And, you know, right. and Rob Gronkowski drops a first down conversion on third down or early in the game. Rob Gronkowski yeah. drops a touchdown. You know, you, if Rob mm-hmm. Gronkowski catches that, I know we're mad about the fade routes, but if Gronkowski catches that, you know, we, you know, I, I'm not saying the Bucs win. They're still down significantly, sure. but it's just it, we were talking about things a little bit differently. And so, again, the, these are plays guys have to make, and you can't be up there and leading the league, close to the league lead and drops when you have the amount of talent that the Bucs have on offense. So good news is Antonio Brown played really well, um, and he looked really good athletically and physically in the game. I think yep. that has to be something they're excited about. I still don't know how I feel about Scotty Miller getting his snaps cut, what, 19 snaps. I mean, that's to me, it's just cra- – I don't know that we've ever heard of a team – that's six and three or six and two going into a game mid season and their leading receiver for the season, right. the guy's leading them in receiving yards, you know, is getting their snaps absolutely slashed. And so I like Scotty Miller a lot. I think it's not about just is a B better than Scotty Miller. It's about what does Scotty Miller bring you when he's on the field? He brings you a vertical threat. That is ice to have when teams are going to focus more attention over the top on Mike Evans, you're going to get one-on-ones all the time. And Scotty Miller's shown all season long. He can win those. Yeah. I don't know if AB's the same type of receiver. I think AB's great. Short to intermediate, you get AB going. I think he can win down the field, but short right. to intermediate, you know, quick separation stuff, great. But is the offense going to use him? Are that is that what they're going to do? Because that isn't really what this offense typically does. And I wish they did more of it. But I say all that to say I'm I'm a little bit worried about Scotty Miller not being as big a part of this offense and the effect that might have on the way teams can focus on Mike Evans. He's certainly off to a great start this year. You know, and here's one thing that that Buccaneer fans have to be concerned about is when you look at this Panthers team, they've got the the mirror opposite of the Bucks record, right? They're three and six, while Tampa Bay is six and three. But th- this looking at the last four games, those losses were to Chicago 23 to 16. That's that's one touchdown. They've lost at New Orleans 27-24. That's a field goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, they lost to the Falcons 25-17 and it's a game that Atlanta didn't blow at the end, right? Yeah, that's an eight-point differential. And then, you know, they go on the road in Kansas City. Arrowhead, a very tough place to play against a very good defending Super Bowl champion. And, you know, they lose 33-31. to 31. They tried a 67-yard field goal that actually had the distance. It just yeah. he had to kick it so hard, it, it went wide right. But then if you look at, at the, the schedule in, in, the, in, its, in its, you know, total – uh, they lose in week one, 34 to 30 to Las Vegas and Tampa Bay's uh, victory over the Panthers was the largest margin of victory, 31, 17 against any Carolina team. And remember that touchdown by Leonard Fournette late in the game in the fourth quarter is really what kind of made that score. So lopsided, it was much closer than that. Then you look at Carolina's three yeah, wins, not. which came in, in succession. 21-16 against the Chargers. That's five-point uh, spread. They beat Arizona, a very good Arizona team, by 10 points. And then they mm-hmm. also beat the, the Falcons in Atlanta, 23-16. So all of these games are very close. The two widest margins was was a win against Arizona by 10 points and a loss uh, to to Tampa Bay by 14. So th- this is a Panthers team that, that, despite their record, is playing very, very good football. And, and that, right. that Chiefs game, I, I'm glad that that happened because that, that should get the Buccaneers' attention. Uh, mm-hmm. The Panthers were in that game right into the very end. 
Yeah, absolutely. And Greg, I think, brings up a good point, as he often does on the show. You know, I'm more interested in the defense, or more disappointed, sorry, in the defense and the offense. We wrote about this. People can go over and check out. We did a roundtable on this computer report, and we talked about whether we're more concerned with the defense or the offense moving forward. And we all had kind of different opinions on it. But I was talked about how I'm more concerned about the defense. Offensively, I think there was a kind of a perfect storm of events the other night. And certainly there's some blame and things that need to be fixed. But yeah, Ali Marpet bat is back is big. Um, I really think that. Um, and so I think defensively, this has been trending down for a while, and I'm concerned about it. I, I I'm concerned about the play of Jamel Dean, and I don't think there's an option behind him. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying bench Jamel Dean. He's got to play better, and Todd Bowles has to figure out how to help him play better. Part of it is not putting him in off coverage and asking him to process all the time. It's just it's a struggle for him. I know early on in the season he was making some plays there, but we've seen three weeks now where he's been beat by double moves and by eye candy in front of him, right. roll your corners up and play more press man coverage to help these guys out a little bit more. And I don't know that we're seeing that. And I don't know the bulls is going to make that adjustment. And I see Devin white struggling in coverage as well. And you know, I don't know what you, I mean, this is your fifth overall pick. You're not taking him off the field. You need him to be a three down player. He's got to right. be better in coverage. He's got to be yeah. better technically and man coverage. Like you're not, t- we're not talking about benching people. We're not talking about right. cutting people. We're not Just talking about bus. So I don't like when, fans get off on those tangents sometimes like we're not we're talking about how do we put guys in position and make guys better it's not about replacing it all the time right. it's about how can we how can we make a better usage of what we currently have and what our situation and John, is and to me you have to do that with Devin White yeah you're talking about Devin White right and so you're talking about the regression of the defense and one of the things that I I wrote because I agree with you the defense regression concerns me and again, we're talking about the last three games against a good Raiders team, a bad Giants team, and a really good Saints team. And looking mm-hmm. at those last three games, Devin White is really becoming an elite player when he's going forward, right? We just don't like it when he puts the truck in reverse, right, and drops in coverage because he is not anywhere close to being an elite player. He's he's not even close to really being an average player at this point. That's really where he needs a lot of work. But going forward, you know, getting – to the quarterback, that's really become one of his fortes. And without um, the Buccaneers really being able to, to win some of these one-on-one matchups with Jason Pierre-Paul or Shaq Barrett, they need an extra pressure guy. They need to create that that five-man rush because the four-man rush just isn't working. Just as, as an example of that, the Bucs had three sacks against the Raiders, three against the Giants, only one against the Saints. The problem is, out of those seven sacks, John, Devin White's got four of those, right? And we didn't see him go after Drew Brees enough. So what does that tell you? Well, that tells you if he's got four out of the seven, then your defensive linemen and your two outside linebackers, your edge guys, Shaq and JPP, only have three sacks combined in the last three games. That's not winning football. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to put your players in positions to do what they do best. When when Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul are dropping into coverage, these stats are going to blow people's mind. This is going to blow people's mind. Are you ready for this, Scott? Last year, Jason Pierre-Paul played 10 games last season. 10 games. Guess how many times he dropped into coverage last season? Less than 10. (laughs) 11 times all season. 11. I was close. I was close. Once a game, he's basically dropping into coverage. This season, he already dropped into coverage 50 times. They've only played nine games. He's dropping into coverage like five and a half times a game. Shaq Barrett, the exact same number of coverage reps this season. He had 56 all of last year in a 16-game season. Still might be too much, but he is on pace to be, almost to double that almost this year. That's, That's how much more they're dropping into coverage. It doesn't make yeah. any sense. It, and they're Do you not think Todd Bowles is outsmarting himself? I mean, Jason Pierre-Paul has played a long time in the NFL. The most he's ever yeah. dropped into coverage in one season in the NFL is 26 snaps. 26, and he's already at 50. He's going to be that close to 100 nuts. snaps in coverage this season. He is not yeah. – he's he's barely even a stand-up linebacker. Like, he's barely wow. even that. He is a yeah. pass rusher. That's it. He plays and, inside on passing yeah. downs. You're putting in coverage. And, and and the thing is, is and we saw when he when he broke up a pass the other day, right, and, and it's, it's, um, it's amazing what he's been able to overcome from the fireworks accident, right? And it's one thing oh, yeah. to ask him to, you know, to – to, to beat the guy in front of him with, with his, his hand the way that it is. Right. And, and that's, that, that, that's manageable in the trenches and you can still wrap up and grab the quarterback and bring him down. 
but asking Jason Pierre-Paul to pick off a pass uh, is is problematic. And we saw that pass hit him right in the hands. And and that's just something that he he really can't do anymore, right? Mm, and, and so right. what's the point then of dropping him into coverage if he's not going to be able to to create a takeaway that way? I, if I'm looking for a takeaway from Jason Pierre-Paul, I want the sack fumble, right? Because he can still do that. So I, I'm right. I'm a little concerned. And listen, I you know I I've sung Todd Bowles' praises, and, and I I, uh, I I still believe in him in his scheme, and I do think to to there is some credence to what Bruce Arians said today that that what the Giants and the Saints have been able to do with twelve and thirteen personnel, getting those extra tight ends on the field, and and really um, taking away the Bucks nickel packages mm-hmm. and some of those exotic blitzes that Bowles does at a nickel, th- that has limited. Where where bowls can be really effective, so I, I yeah, think I mean, that, that you know I I think that's something that's that's really been been big is is right. not having that that to you know to, to work out in their favor and and I think that it's a it's a domino effect, John. Right when you don't have the first quarter leads that the Bucks had earlier in the season, and that now they're trailing, and the other team has the advantage. Now they can run whenever they want to. I think that. That it worked better for the Bucks defense for sure when this offense was getting out to early first quarter leads and all of a sudden teams had to play catch up, get into those those passing situations that allowed the Bucks blitzes and pass rush to crank up. Right. And the Bucks, you know, they have to again, it comes back to I hear completely what's being said about the nickel packages, but Man, part of the problem is that when you're a nickel, you've got when you're not a nickel for the Bucks, you've got three defensive tackles on the field. Uh, or, you know, I mean, Will Golston, whatever you consider him, Sue and and Nacho or McClendon, yeah. and that's not really the Bucks' strength right now as a team, right. especially in pass rush situations. So you want to get especially those guys without off Vita the field. Vea, you know? right? Without Vita Vea, so you want to get those guys off the field to be more effective rushing the passer. Like we said in this game, we don't think the Panthers will go with that type of strategy based on who Joe Brady is, how much he loves to use wide receivers and spread the field. It'll be a different type of challenge for the Bucks this week. One of the things I really want to see, and this was actually funny, somebody said, uh, Long Lost Glazer said, JPP has more pass breakups than Devin White, though, even though he's bad in coverage. And I looked it up just to see if this was true, and they actually each have one. But I don't, I know Devin, JPP's was when Brees threw it right to him on the first drive. Right. Um, you know, it doesn't get easier than that, and he dropped it. Yeah. And I don't remember Devin White having a pass breakup this season, so I'm going to have to go back and find that play to remember yeah. when he broke up a pass this week, this season. But back to Jason Pierre-Paul, why I think it's so important that they don't drop him into coverage and that they do get a nickel and that they do put him inside as a rusher is because the Panthers' guards are terrible and they got yeah, bullied yeah. all over the place by Chris Jones and the Chiefs' interior. I think even right. Derek Nottie was getting pass rush. Mm-hmm. No no offense, Mark Cook. I know you're Florida State guy. But even Derek Nottie, who's not a pass rusher at all, right. was getting pressure well, against and, these Panthers. Remember, Dominic had him. two, it had two sacks, yeah. right? For the defense. And Golson, Golson had a great game the last time. Yeah. You know, he was he Absolutely. hammered Bridgewater on the on the interception, I believe. And so this the Bucks interior pass rush has to win this game. And I think one of the ways that you do that is really by putting Jason Pierre Paul inside and getting him some looks mm-hmm. inside. And if you, you know, if you're having Anthony Nelson on the edge and he can't beat these tackles, especially if Okun's right. not playing. You know, I just I don't know what you do at this point. You you don't have a third edge rusher and, it, and it's hurting right. the team for sure. But you know, Shaq Barrett's got to step up, got to win matchups in this game. I don't he think does. there's any doubt about that. Um, and, and, but and this really, defense, yeah, that's the big thing I think is beating those guards. You look, you look at, at Tyler Moten; he did a really good job against Shaq Barrett in week two. He's a good and, player. Uh, he's a good player. He's really developed into a good player. And I think the thing too, John, is remember this was Tom Brady's uh, second game in Bruce Arians' offense back in week two when these teams matched up for the first time. It was also Teddy Bridgewater's second game in, in the same situation. No no OTAs, no mini camps, no training camp. There was some familiarity because Joe Brady spent that time in New Orleans along with, with Teddy Bridgewater. But really, Bridgewater was a backup, if not for just those four games. So mm-hmm. um, I think what we've seen now from Bridgewater, at least what I saw when I was watching that Chiefs-Panthers game, was – Bridgewater did a really good job of getting the ball out of his hands quickly in week two. It's even quicker now, right? I mean, he's he's getting rid of the ball even quicker. And, and I think that just comes with the experience of playing with these Carolina receivers, playing in Joe Brady's offense. And so he's not as as 
as hard to sack as as uh, Drew Brees by any means. And you mentioned the guards really being a weakness in front of him. But that's one thing that you really have to do. You, you got to play up, and I think you got to play more press man against these Panthers receivers because they have speed. You can't let them accelerate and get it behind you. And also, too, you want Bridgewater to hang on that ball for an extra second. So if right. if Todd Bowles doesn't scrap this this off coverage zone uh, business, uh, it, it could be a long day for this Buck secondary. Oh, again, it, it, yeah, absolutely, it could be. I mean, the the Panthers have not given the ball away, and that the Bucks have relied on turnovers a lot this season. They have not given the ball away this year. You know, they're tied for seventh best nine giveaways. Uh, this year and really you know they remember three of those came in the first time these two teams met so they've done a really good job of trending in the right direction um, since then the other thing is that they're efficient and hit big plays that's why their offense has been Mm -hmm. successful this season they are 17 of 34 on deep ball so they have the same number of deep ball completions that the bucks do this season in 17 but they are more efficient than the Bucs when they hit when they throw them you know they don't throw them as often as Tampa Bay's nobody hardly anybody threw Tom Brady's second and deep ball passing attempts this season right. in the NFL. These are passing 20 yards or more, by the way. So the Panthers have been really efficient in hitting those, which has been big for their offense. But they also, this is the second highest completion percentage. Remember, first was last week, Drew Brees. Yeah. Second highest completion percentage in the NFL right now is the Panthers when they throw the football. And so That's right. they're very efficient and means that if you play soft zone against them, you're going to get destroyed. And so if Todd Bowles doesn't adjust, the, Pan- the Bucks offense, the Bucks defense has two hopes that the Panthers make mistakes and, and that lose them the game, um, and that the, the 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 blitzes, which hopefully at least – I think Todd Bowles is at least going to get back to blitzing. Like, yeah. he blitzes higher than more than any other defensive – I mean, the Bucks are the bl- most blitz-heavy team in the and NFL. You know it's what, not John? really even that close. He's got a head coach in Bruce Arians that, that welcomes pressure at any point in time. You know, yeah. and I'm, I'm sure that's one thing the head coach says, Todd, like, like, listen, man, like, no risk it, no biscuit, baby. Let's go, you know. So I, I think – I think you're going to see it. Bulls come around and do that. Um, and, and, you know, it's like right now it feels like Florida's getting blitzed, John. I mean, we're down here. And, and I'll tell you, Briar Greaves Insurance, uh, it, they're, they're my new insurance company. I listened to Mark Cook and I made the call. I talked to Sam and I talked to Briar and I've switched over my insurance policy to Briar Greaves. And I'm, I'm glad that I did. And these guys are no joke because the script that they've sent us way back months ago was right in the in the middle of, of hurricane season which was you know august and september right at the start of football season that's really when you see all those hurricanes typically challenge the gulf of mexico and maybe potentially threaten florida here we are john we're into november hurricane season supposed to be over but yet we've got uh, a possible category one at least a tropical storm ada coming and and in it forced the Buccaneers to be out of the building by 5 p.m. today. And they had to push Mm -hmm. some of their stuff back. So here it is. Thanksgiving is like less than 10 days away. And here you've got a a hurricane and a tropical storm really coming right for Tampa Bay. So it's Mm kind of nuts. But uh, don't wait to have your insurance policies reviewed. Give Briar Mm -hmm. Greaves Insurance, which is family-owned and operated, served the Tampa Bay area for over 30 years, a call for your home, auto, boat, life, commercial, and all of your flood insurance needs. And right now, if you're on the the coast of of Florida, you're getting some storm surge. So uh, make sure that you give Briar Greaves a call. A lot of homeowner companies are either canceling or not renewing policies. They're leaving Florida or they're increasing premiums significantly. I had this happen with my previous insurance company. That's why I decided to call Briar Greaves and, and speak to Sam and Briar for that personalized touch as well as all the information about the best rates possible. The folks at Briar Greaves Insurance are huge Bucks fans, proud sponsors of the Pewter Report podcast. Visit briargreavesinsurance.com or call 813-876-4166, briargreavesinsurance.com, or give them a call at 813-876-4166, and you'll be glad that you did. One of the things I think, Scott, that is going to determine this game, I thought about this game all week. There is some pressure on me, Scott. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm right. eight and one this year, picking Bucks games. <laughs> the, the the only L was the Bears game. I thought they would win it. Right. I, I told you I was scared about it. But I thought they would win yeah. it, and they lost it. But but other than that, I'm perfect in the season. So there's a lot of pressure on this game, you Scott. The Saints over the Bucks. That's right. Okay. So if I pick if I pick the Panthers in this game, 
box fans are going to think that I <laughs> prophesied it into reality. Right. You're trying to cling to your lead. That's all you're trying to do, right? I'm, t- I'm trying to cling to my lead, but also yeah. like I'm trying to think about like what, how do I want to pick this game? Because, right. and here's what I came down to, Scott. If I don't pick the p- Bucks this week, it means I don't believe they're a playoff team. Yeah. If the Bucks don't win this game after what happened last week, after the way they were embarrassed on a national stage, yeah. after all they've talked about what they learned from the Bears game, now this is a different season and this team is this and that, and I don't care. Win this game. You have to yeah. win this game. You can't lose this game. I don't even – yes, with the Rams and Chiefs looming, no doubt. They, the emphasis right. on this game is huge because if you lose those two, you know you can still last four games of the season, work out, get to 11-5. And I think that that's a, a realistic possibility for this team to finish the season. You can't lose this football game, though, because if you lose this game and you lose the next two, it's it's downhill fast. So a lot of people might look at it and say the Panthers are three and six. They've lost four in a row. If they lose one more, their season's essentially over. You know, maybe they don't think their season really has much of a chance of the playoffs now. And I and I'd agree, but they're still a talented football team. Yeah. And they're still a team that that I think looks at this and says our backs against the wall. We we need to play. We need to play desperation mode because if we lose this game, we're out. Like we don't have any chance of the playoffs. But the Bucks have to come with more desperation. Period. They have to. The way that they played last week is totally unacceptable. There's Agreed. blame on all levels that you can, but it's just unacceptable. You can't do it again. And if I picked against them this week, in my mind, I would. I don't know how I could pick against them and say this is a playoff team. And I yeah. believe they're a playoff team. I still believe that. I'm not ready to throw in the towel on that at all yet. And so because of that, I'm picking the Bucks, Scott. I'm worried about the Panthers' offense, but yep. I think they blitz them. I think they get to Teddy Bridgewater eventually. I think they rattle them up, force them into some mistakes, and I think the offense gets back on track. I don't know if it happens the first drive of the game. God, I would love for it to happen on the first drive of the game because the way they've started games is pitiful lately. Yes. Uh, but to me, that this is this is a game you have to win. The Panthers, yes, they might be good for a 3-6 and six team, but they're a 3-6 and six team. Take care yep. of business. Get a win. Move on to the big dogs in the next two. Did you throw out a score there, John? Score twenty? No, twenty-seven to twenty-seven to fourteen. Oh wow! Okay, all right. I don't know. Um, I, I think I think that that this is going to be a close game because that's kind of the Panthers' mo, and I think the Buccaneers are going to show some improvement and they're going to get a win this week. But it's going to be kind of almost like that that New York Giants game on Monday Night Football. I, I see Tampa Bay winning this game twenty seven to twenty three. It's a lot closer than people want it to be. It's a lot closer than people expect it to be. But I, I, I do believe that the Panthers are a better team than their record uh, shows. And in in this this is a must win game, John, as you point out, for one reason, and that's if the Buccaneers lose this, they are one in. Th- three in the NFC South this year. One and three. That means they've split with the Panthers. They get swept by the Saints. You got the Falcons coming up. So if you lose this game, uh, there's virtually no way that the Saints are going to lose this division. There's still a chance right now if the Buccaneers can gain some momentum, sweep the Falcons down the road, and if the Saints have a stumble or two, uh, maybe the Buccaneers can catch up. It certainly hurts that the Saints swept Tampa Bay. But I I like the Bucs. Winning in a close fashion, 27-23. It might come down to uh, to you know another perfect game from Ryan Suckup. Actually, I believe it will. I think Suckup will have to be perfect. He has been, in my opinion, the best and most consistent player on this, this Tampa Bay team, without a doubt. No! Why'd you say it? If yeah. they lose on a missed field goal, Scott, I'm coming it's for my you. Fault. Yeah, the, my I, record. It's my record. I, I won't be allowed to be on any more Peter Report podcast. I'm clipping. I'm clipping this podcast. You're going to get suspended yeah. again. I'm clipping I, I this scene. I believe in Ryan Suckup. I'm a, I'm a Suckup believer. So, and I'm not sucking up to Suckup. I, I honestly believe he's a good kicker. I, I, I do too. I do. I'm scared to say it, but I do. But I think that you're right. At the end of this, at the end of this game, Scott, how this game goes, I'm not just talking about win or loss either. I think yeah. how they win is very important. I think you cannot play great football and win this game. I wouldn't bank on it. I'm not saying I'm not saying it's right. probable that they would. I'm just saying I think I could see that outcome, and I could see me going. I don't feel any. I don't feel any different about them. Um, I think you know than I did coming off the Saints game. Really, like mm-hmm. they could lose Rams, they could lose Chiefs. Um, yeah. And I, but so how they respond when you are a team that is mired in a losing culture? The Bucks are what aren't they the losingest franchise in the NFL history wise? I don't care who you are. You can bring all new bodies in, but until you do it. 
it doesn't change. So you, yeah. it's six and three is great, but you haven't done it. And Bruce would be the first one to say, all he says, we haven't done anything yet That's until right. you've done it. It's that culture still there. It still sits around. It still waits. So to me, this is a game where you have to say that team that showed up last week, it happens. It, it doesn't excuse it, but it happens, but that's not us. And they have to go out and they have to win this game and they have to be, they have to play great and they have to win one of these next two, I think too, against the Rams and the I Chiefs. Agree. I don't think, I don't think you can lose to the, to the top teams on your schedule and consider yourself a real threat when the playoffs come around. And so it's a huge game for the Bucs. They need to come out just as desperate, if not more, than the Carolina Panthers in this game. Yep, I'm with you, John. All right, well, that's uh, our thoughts on the game, our predictions for the game. You can get the whole Pewter Report cruise predictions over at pewterreport.com. We'll have that up for you about 48 hours before game time. So on a Friday, look for that piece. Uh, it should be up. Pan- Panthers and Bucks play at 1.00. Uh, on Sunday. And after that game, we will have this podcast live for you again. Um, I skip Thursday. Tomorrow, I will be on the podcast as well. Taylor will be joining me. We will have a guest. We're trying to get and we believe Tyrone Poole, ex-Carolina Panthers first round pick and cornerback. Yeah, he is going to join us on the show and he's going to talk some Bucks Panthers with us. So I'm really excited about that and to talk to him tomorrow on the show. So so John, Tyrone Poole, he was the second Panthers draft pick ever he was a first-round pick after they yeah. selected Kerry Collins in 1995. So he came in with me. Uh, I started covering the Buccaneers in 95 along with Warren Sapp and, and Derek Brooks on that 95 Bucks team. So uh, you, you, can do, you can cover a lot of bases with him, from Carolina Sorry. Panthers football uh, to playing the Buccaneers back in the day. He also played on two Super Bowl teams with Tom Brady in New England. Yeah, right. That's going to be a hell of a show, John. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm really excited about it. I think he's going to have some great insights and hopefully he's got some stories for us too. We'll, we'll yeah. look forward to that for sure. But then four we'll come back tomorrow. Is what four o'clock tomorrow. Yeah. That's, that's the hope. Yeah. Watch the Twitter account at Peter Report uh, to see and make sure that time stays consistent with guests. It's always a little bit up in the air. We try to work with them, but shooting for 4 p.m. Eastern uh, tomorrow. So that should be a fun. Uh, show and then Monday, like or Sunday, like I said, we'll be on after the game. We'll break everything down. We'll have the live show. We'll get fan reaction and everything, and all your questions, comments, criticisms on Monday show at four p.m. Uh, and then we'll be launch it. We're off Tuesdays, and then we're back Wednesday, Thursday, and we'll have pods uh, next week, four p.m. too. So it's been great stuff. Y'all have been awesome. We appreciate the love and support. Go to Pewter Report uh, on YouTube, Pewter Report TV, and subscribe. Get those notifications for when we go live, and tell friends and family, man, you, yes. you love the Bucks. You're talking bucks with people. If you like this show, you know, tell tell your people about us. You know, we we want new fans. We want to bring in new people too. You know, we love seeing all the normals that are yes, that are in do. here for the show in the comments. It's it's one of the things that makes us smile every week. Yes. But we want to see new people, more people. I saw a couple of people jumping in here, like this is my first time jumping in live, and that's awesome. Like I'm pumped about that. And and so just keep keep bringing that and keep adding that to to what we're doing uh, because uh, we'll be it'll be exciting for us to be able to see new fresh faces as part of the show too. So appreciate y'all. Love y'all. We'll catch you again tomorrow with Tyron Poole and, and Taylor Jenkins on the podcast with me. Uh, until then, thanks so much for listening to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Out.